In reality, there is only this present moment. Even time and space are part of the construct to make it seem as though we're existing in a particular reality. But actually, the simplicity is that in any moment, everyone is just resting as effortless being. Hello and welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you are in the world right now. I'm so excited about our guest today, David Bingham. He's a thought leader in the field of consciousness and has achieved awakening or self-realization. Not only this, but he encourages others to achieve self-realization and awareness and has helped thousands of people across the globe. This is his story and this is his passion. David, welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you, Louisa. Very nice to be here. David, I've, I've listened to a lot or watched quite a few of your interviews. I just love listening to you. I think you're amazing. And um, well, let's let's dive right in. And you you talk about self realization or awakening, and you have achieved this. Do you mind sharing your experiences with the audience? No, not at all. Well, it actually started from birth because um, I remember the first two or three years of my life um, <clears throat> actually existing as a field of awareness or consciousness, and. Um, it was actually also a field of bliss. So identification with the human form didn't really begin immediately. It was something which came later. And even until the age of five, when I started school, I would return every day to this field. So usually after lunch, you know, between the age of maybe three and five, I would just go and lie down. My mum thought I was having a little nap, but I would just return to this field of infinite bliss and um so my view of the life uh, my view of the human experience really um was quite different from the outset i guess and um the the intensity of experiences came along quite early on i i think um <clears throat> probably um when when i was when I was given meat to eat, I noticed a really big change in the way I was functioning and it put me into a state of grief. And um, so it, there were some challenges early on. And um, so I guess it was the, the those challenges which led to the seeking initially. And the so the early part of life, I had a great childhood in a human sense but I knew there was something much deeper and um, more experiences came along around about the age of 11. And then again, when I went to art school, <clears throat> I, had, I had some experiences of painting and the, 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 painted, the painting started going by itself. So it was totally effortless and um, it was almost like surfing where you kind of get out of the way. And um, then coincidentally, I learned meditation um the following year and um that you know that that's something which i practiced for a long time but self-realization came in 2005 and that can be defined in different ways i think that the the human experience is something which we're programmed into because the the subject object mode experience the idea of existing as a separate human being is installed for most people around about the age of two. And we're invited into that because everyone actually begins as an infinite field of awareness, which is neutral. Um, the mind and the emotions haven't been installed at that stage. And the subject object hasn't, the subject object mode hasn't been installed either. So it's something which our parents invite us into it without realizing what they're doing. So they start calling the, the body mind by name and um, everyone is just remaining as this open field of awareness. And one of the objects in that field of awareness, you know, so they're in the room, there are the tables, the chairs, the windows, you know, other people, the TV, and then there's this body mind sitting somewhere. But we initially, we see the body mind as belonging to the three-dimensional realm. It's through the programming into individuality 
which makes people um, consent really to that experience. So, so initially we're just we're just remaining at total peace, and then our parents are saying, "Oh, this is our little girl, Louisa. You know, she has dark hair and dark eyes, and she likes." ice cream and playing in the sandpit or and then there, so it's kind of building this character which initially it just seems a bit of a funny game but then gradually the the sort of content of the individual is installed it's almost like inventing a character in a play so you're kind of building this character and there's a certain point at which there's identification with that character and that's um, th that usually happens around the age of two. So the reason people refer to the experience with children as being the terrible twos is because there's a feeling of contraction at that age usually, because from knowing oneself to be an infinite field of imperturbable awareness and beingness within which everything is appearing, to experience as though you're a body-mind existing in time and space and limitation is quite a shock. So hardly surprising the children start throwing their toys around. <laughs> yes, gosh, what incredible memories you have. I don't have those memories. So who 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 are we? What is this infinite field? What what does it what does it mean? Who am I? <laughs> well, everyone actually begins and remains as attributeless awareness. And um, in Indian terms, they use three words, uh, Rishi, Devita, and Chandas, which mean the knower, the means of knowing and the known. But a, a simple way of saying that is awareness aware of itself. So we could do a little exercise to show what that is, if you like. Sure. Okay, so would you just like to close the eyes for a moment? Okay. And just focus on the back of the eyelids. Mm -hmm. And when we do this, it tends to disconnect the thought stream and the emotional stream. So there's a very familiar sense of awareness, aliveness, presence, beingness. And this sense of awareness and existence is something we've known all along even when Louisa was a little girl, maybe, you know, just a few weeks or, or a few months old, this very familiar sense of, of awareness was present then. And one could say it's just awareness aware of itself. When the, when the thought stream and the emotional stream subsides, there is just this sense of awareness and existence, and it's very tangible. So if I say to you, do you exist, then... The sense of existence, which we've believed to be the existence of the individual, actually never became the individual. It's just remained as this infinite open field of awareness. Mm. That was very. So thank you. <laughs> so it's very it's similar to the analogy of the cinema screen. So attributeless awareness <clears throat> is like a, a cinema screen in that. It has no attributes of its own, but any imagery can be projected onto that. So we can have the full on experience. So as a cinema screen is a field of infinite possibilities, really, in terms of creativity and drama. So also is our, our true infinite nature. But we remain as that um, throughout. It's just that there's a process of consent, one could say, which is. In Indian terms, there are five filters, which are called the koshas. So there's the body of bliss, the body of wisdom, the mental body, the emotional or etheric body, and the physical body. So when we, when we first consent to an amendment to um, attributeless being, it's in quite a subtle way. So it's to, it's to do with infinite bliss. So it's still the knower, the means of knowing and the known, but it's just that rather than awareness aware of 
itself it's awareness aware of, of bliss so the knower remains as awareness the means of knowing remains as awareness but what is known rather than just awareness is is infinite bliss and then we can send to the next stage which is which is called the body of wisdom or effortless being an effortless being is where we are as young children so it's that sense of an open space within which everything is appearing <clears throat> and we're we're experiencing that in neutrality so there there's no mental um there's no mental content and there's no emotional content at that stage so it's just silence peace and whatever forms are appearing in the moment so that that field also never really goes away because even in this moment there is still only an infinite field of awareness so there's awareness because we we have access to the the adult human body then the the mind the emotions are, are available so there could be thoughts arising effortlessly emotions arising effortlessly um there could be you know awareness of light coming through the window or sounds outside the building awareness of the body sitting on the seat and so really self-realization is is when we return to seeing that what we truly are never actually went away it's it's seeing that the human realm is a mode of experience which is available to us so the the body of wisdom is is um or effortless being is is where we can consciously begin to function from which which changes the nature of experience for us because it's a way of disengaging the the mind and the emotions and um it gives access to our infinite nature rather than keeping us within the dualistic loop which is the the mental emotional and physical so it's um but it's available to everyone um i've got so many questions but why why are we why would we choose why do we choose to have this human experience well there are many reasons actually um in in um in indian terms they say that we're experiencing what they call karma yuga which is a kind of inversion so um we begin and remain as infinite being but um if you listen to the religions or if you listen to the media or you know you have conversations with most people it's actually turned upside down so that and e even if you do an online search for the koshas which is supposed to re reveal the structures available to us they start with the number one they list as being the physical body number two is the emotional number three the mental and then the body of wisdom and body of bliss so so most religions in this current age are starting from limitation so they're saying you're existing as a human being with limitations in terms of behavior mind and emotions and it's a very problematic starting point really but when you see it the way it truly is it's actually um the clarity comes in because you see that it's everything's inverted so so most people you know most people have consented because it's a sequence it's a sequence of consent which goes from subtle to gross so we go from attributeless being to infinite bliss to all forms arising equally and effortlessly within the body of wisdom and then the next one is the one which is the sort of dividing line really because the the mental body is where we move into the dualistic realm so it usually begins with comparison so you know if we if we compare say two beautiful objects or two you know beautiful flowers then the comparison can be enhancing in one way because you're you know you're seeing the one against the other but then um the next stage comes preference 
So, you know, if there are two things, we tend to prefer one over the other. Um, and then the, the third stage is conflict because, you know, someone else might like the other one. <laughs> so it's, um, it's that simplicity, really, of the way we're invited into the dualistic realm without realizing the implications. Because in those three simple steps from comparison to preference to conflict is quite a short move, really. And, well, me included, but one can get so caught up in this physical realm, mm. this what we term as reality that we're experiencing. Mm. Um, well, I, it's... It, sorry. sorry. No, 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 please go on. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you, no. Um, well, it's worth knowing that the the dualistic realm, which covers the the mental, emotional and physical, is a self-contained construct. It's independent of our infinite nature it's almost like uh it's almost like a computer game so it's um you know it's like the matrix really it's just it, it's an en energy system and um the benefit of the benefit of realization is is realizing that we never actually entered into this matrix it's all based on consenting it's almost like rides in, in a theme park so we we remain as the infinite attribute is being but then we can step onto these different rides of limitation so we can step into the mental realm um and then we can have you know the full-on experience of mental preoccupation and then the mental realm has a knock-on effect into the emotional and then the emotional into the physical but it's quite easy to make the distinction between functioning from the body of wisdom and the mental body. And I'd like to just do a little demonstration to show how that works, really. That'd be great. Thank you. Because once you know how to do this, well, everyone can actually remain functioning from effortless being rather than being caught up in the mind, the emotions and the body. So let's just take this moment then. So, um, are there any sounds arising at the moment? Any sounds, any fairly constant sounds? Just or your you... voice. <laughs> okay, that's pretty constant, <laughs> sorry. Um, let's take the example of the light coming through the window then. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what I'd like you to do is to just, just notice the light coming through the window and just be effortlessly aware of it. So don't engage the mind to comment in any way um, don't compare it to anything, just be effortlessly aware because effortless being is where we're all functioning from most of the time, really, because it's it's the simple, well, it's the knower of everything that's known in reality. So, so if we take the example of the light, there's effortless awareness of the light coming through the window. Mm -hmm. There's effortless awareness of the body sitting on the seat. There's effortless awareness of the images on the computer screen and of the objects in the room. Um, and so when we're just effortlessly aware, we're actually experiencing as a field of awareness. So everything is arising within that field. So the objects in the room, the sounds, the sensations, the perceptions, the thoughts can be arising, the emotions can be arising. And as long as we're just aware of them as long as they're just arising in awareness so it's a bit like an ocean it's like an infinite ocean of awareness and every form is arising as a wave and then when we look at the light coming through the window for instance so there's just we could say there's effortless awareness of the light coming through the window and then we can consciously engage the mind and the difference between the body of wisdom or effortless being and the mind is Effortless being is effortless, as you would imagine, and then mm -hmm. um, the mind requires effort. So what I'd like you to do now is to just engage the mind to describe the light coming through the window in some way. So just, you know, a brief description or a sort of... Um, well, it's a little bit cloudy today, so it's a soft, subtle light. But when you were talking before, I could almost, I it was almost like more of a feeling experience for me. I could 
feel yes. it, it more of a sensory experience. Mm. So the lights, it's, it's not sunny, but I can feel it. It's a soft filtered light. Great. So that's really the distinction between functioning from effortless being and engaging the mind because effortless being is non-conceptual. So it's the direct knowing. So the direct knowing of the light is always registered in awareness, in infinite awareness. It's just that because everyone has told you that everything's being registered in the mind, it creates confusion. But what, if, if you just notice there is effortless awareness of everything, and it's only when we engage the mind that we conceptualize. So, you know, you made some nice you know, comments about the quality of the light and the way it was experienced. And, um, but they were concepts which um, are sort of pointing to the quality of the light, but we could sit here for eternity um, describing the light conceptually, but it would never give the direct experience because it's only it's only from the body of wisdom or from effortless being that anything can, can be known. So everything is being effortlessly known. Everything's registered in awareness, but then we can step into the into the into the mind and we can conceptualize. So the the mind's a bit like a little football commentator. You know, it's sort of pointing to the action, it's saying what's going on, but it really has nothing to do with the play. And it's very similar with with the mind and um that making that simple distinction can disconnect our energy from the mental emotional and physical realms so we can just rest um you know for everyone just being able to just rest and notice what's arising effortlessly because in reality there is only this present moment even time and space are part of the construct to make it seem as though we're existing in a particular reality. But actually the simplicity is that in any moment, everyone is just resting as effortless being and particular forms arising. So in this moment, there's awareness of this conversation. There's awareness of the images on the screen and the objects in the room. And whatever's arising in the moment, uh, constantly changes but what never changes is the awareness that's aware of it of the changes oh i'm feeling so calm <laughs> so <laughs> are you obviously you've achieved this awakening or i mean it has many names self-realization are you recommending that we act from this place of awareness all the time do we not do we use our mental mind for certain pieces of of our reality or aspects of our life well there's a practicality to self-realization the, the one is that we can begin to live life as 200 percent, really which is once you know your true infinite nature which is it's the simple awareness that is aware so when we did the exercise to begin with with the eyes closed there was just simply um awareness aware of itself and that's very, it's very calming because we, we, we disconnect our energy from the whole game. And, um, and then when we, when we function from effortless being, we're remaining in alignment with our infinite nature. So even though, even though forms are appearing within the body of wisdom, um, they're appearing effortlessly. And so what you find is that Firstly, you see your true nature as being this infinite, impersonal field of awareness. And, um, and then the option to step into the personal realm is something which we then realize is optional. Whereas the way it's portrayed generally is that there's a starting date to experience as a human being and an end date. So there's this frantic you know, um, search for experiences and things and a feeling of pressure of time and all of this kind of stuff, when really that's just part of the game. Because when you see that you are 
just remaining as this infinite open space of awareness, you just see that the human realm is is optional. And it's a bit like, um, you know, for most people, they're playing the part of a character. So, you know, you're, you have the leading role in the life and times of Louisa. And the way most people live is they become so enamoured with the role they're playing that they become completely attached to it and believe that that's what they are. But it's a bit like a an actor. Self-realisation is a bit like um, being able to remain as the actor even when you're playing the part because the infinite being is like the actor and the character, Louisa, is the part that's being portrayed. But as it is with a play, the actor never becomes the character. And in the same way, the infinite being never became Louisa. That, that, that was a great analogy. Thank you. In, in this matrix that we're living in um, and our path to awakening and self-realization, what, what would your recommendation be if we have circumstances or events that are displeasing to us or thoughts that we don't like, repetitive thoughts? What do we do? Well, the initial remedy is to, is to make the distinction between impersonal being and the personal realm of experience because everyone in reality remains as impersonal awareness. So as the ocean is impersonal so is our true nature so we remain as this field within which all the forms appear and it's mainly language which kind of invites us into identification with the personal realm so if you take um well I take the word spelling you know spelling is a, it's what it's it's telling you that language actually casts a spell um because the 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 language um perpetuates a sense of limitation because every every concept is a limitation so if you take the difference between impersonal being which is what everyone remains as in the personal realm of experience the the way we can the way we can make that distinction is by changing the language so if we if we take the arising of thoughts in this moment or the arising of emotions or, or the arising of any forms, we can experience them either personally or impersonally. So the way we, the way we experience them, um, the way we've been conditioned to experience them is to experience them personally. So, so if you say to most people, are there any thoughts arising at the moment? it would probably be a personalised response. So they'd say, oh, I have some thoughts about what I'm going to have for my lunch. I've just been down to the supermarket. And, I, you know, it's so it's a sort of personalised description. Or if it's emotional, it could be, oh, I have this slight sense of nervousness because I'm having this conversation. But the way we can just revert to functioning from our true infinite impersonal nature is by changing the language. Because if we do that, we can see the reality of the way it is. So if you take thoughts, for instance, so there, there could be thoughts arising, and they could be personalised thoughts, but the truth is that we're effortlessly and impersonally aware of those thoughts. So rather than saying, oh, I have these thoughts of what I'm going to have for my lunch, that's, that's maintaining a sense of individuality. The reality is, there is impersonal effortless awareness of thoughts arising, which may be to do with what you're going to have for your lunch. But it's that distinction. So it's so we can we can remind ourselves that we remain as impersonal being by changing the language. So <clears throat> you know, saying uh, saying there is awareness of particular thoughts are appearing, or there is awareness of emotions appearing or there is awareness of the body sitting on the seat, because that's how it is for everyone, because awareness precedes any experience, because awareness is formless. 
So all forms arise within awareness, but it's always awareness which is there initially, and then there's awareness of whatever the thought is or the emotion. Very, very interesting. Um, you spoke before about living in the matrix and how we can create the reality that we perceive around us. Hmm. Can we create the reality? Can we create our reality? I Well, I think the, sim the simple answer to that is we are already doing that in a sense because the truth is everyone in essence remains as the sovereign being. So the sovereign infinite being, there's only one being and you you are it as everyone is it. But then we consent to these various filters of limitation. So we, we firstly consent to the limitation of infinite bliss. And then we consent to the limitation of all forms arising equally and effortlessly within effortless being. And then we consent to the dualistic mind, you know, which is based on preference, like and dislike and all those things. And then we consent to the emotion, the emotional realm, which is the etheric realm. And then we consent to the physical realm. So um, the, the, the way to, to kind of consciously create the experiences we wish to have is, is as much as possible remaining in alignment with our infinite nature rather than with individuality. Because, you know, there are things like the law of attraction, for instance, is something where people say, well, you can create your reality, you know, by using these intentions and with gratitude and, you know, affirmations and that kind of thing. And there is value in that and it can be effective on the personal level. But the way the way we can align with our true purpose in life is, is to actually hand over responsibility to effortless being because life really is designed to be very playful and for it to be quite childlike in a way so so when we when we experience from effortless being we're not we're not giving the responsibility of our life experience to the mind because infinite being is infinitely intelligent and it will take care of things for us effortlessly. But if we step into the mind and we say, oh, I'm doing this and I need this, you know, the, the idea of a manifestation with things like the law of attraction is based on, um, it's based on lack, actually, because it's the idea that if I have these things, you know, if I have the new car or the new girlfriend or the new house or the new bank account or whatever, that's, you know, that's what I need to make me happy. But that's all coming from a sense of lack. And um, it's actually much better because everyone, everyone has a purpose. And to discover that the best way is to is to begin to function from their infinite nature. So it's noticing things which come to you effortlessly rather than pursuing things. And um, life can be just the most amazing adventure then because infinite intelligence will devise things in a way where it all kind of works out. And um, the nature of our experience is, you know, that we, we're doing what we intended to do when we came into this experience whereas the mind is interpreting in a very limited way the mind is like a candle and infinite awareness is like the sun so it's you know it's it's that kind of difference really that you can achieve much more from one's infinite nature than from you know from the mind and there's a there's a way to make that distinction in the way we function because Thoughts coming from the mind tend to be tinted with a particular frequency of limitation. So they tend to be, they tend to, they tend to have attachments to things like fear um, or doubt or lack and those kind of things. And there's an emotional component to most of them. Whereas things which are coming from one's infinite nature, they have a much more 
uplifting and inspiring feeling. So if there's an inspiration to do something, then it comes from nowhere. And then there's a feeling of expansiveness and openness and adventure. Um, and so all the most amazing things come from the body of wisdom. So things like intuition, inspiration, synchronicity, telepathy, all of those qualities are coming from our infinite nature. Whereas what's coming from the mind is a very rigid form of functioning, which is saying, oh, if I do this, then this will happen. And then there's an emotional content. So it's the way we can see what's being delivered to us is, is the way um, those thoughts or inspirations are coming in. So anything that's really inspiring has a feeling of lightness and expansiveness. But if it's coming from the mind, it has a feeling of limitation. So it becomes pretty obvious which way to go, really, because by following the you know, just by being aware of what's coming to us um, from our infinite nature is just much more um, satisfying and the possibilities are just endless. So in a way, it's handing over, you know, the the idea of the idea of creating our own reality sounds attractive on an individual level, but it's like playing a little game because the resource on an individual level is the mind, but it's much more interesting to function from one's infinite nature because the resource available there is infinite intelligence. And the, the difference is that the intelligence coming from our infinite nature is a combination of infinite intelligence and infinite love, infinite compassion. So it has our best interest to, at heart. Whereas what's coming from the mind tends to be um, concepts of limitation and they tend to be affected by things like you know fear jealousy rage all of that sort of stuff so um but but they don't tell you this in school that's the problem you know because no. you know and it sounds people, so much easier well it is it, it's it be, because this world it's like a it's like a challenge really because this world this world is inviting us into the realm of limitation so it's inviting us into the individual realm of experience and it's an en energy game as well because the um the tendencies which are there in terms of the emotions for instance um you know, we 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 all kind of download the emotional contents from our parents. So even before birth, the the frequencies and tendencies of our mum are downloaded into our system. So we're fully familiar with all the limitations that they have running. So if they have fear or doubt or you know low self worth or whatever those frequencies are, then they're they're kind of turned on from birth or they're turned on quite early on in life. Um, but beginning to see that we, that we fun function from our infinite nature is something which it gives us a different, totally different outlook in terms of experience because everything really is by invitation and everything is by consent. So we consent to each of those layers of experience and we've consented to the human experience but what we're not told is that the the human the human body mind it's more like a radio receiver so the the thoughts and emotions are actually being beamed into the body mind but nobody tells us that people you know generally believe, believe that the thoughts and emotions are their own but it's like a frequency game. So if, so say there's a tendency, say there's a family tendency to have, say, low self-worth or something, then you find that the, the invitations that are delivered tend to try to invite us into identification with those experiences. And it's, um, it's like a little groove that's set up. And, um, once you realize it works in this way, then you can see that the the experiences we're having 
um, they're a reflection of the thoughts we're holding to be true. So there's a saying, we, we project our beliefs into the world and then they return to us as our experience. And that's how it generally is. So thank you. So how do we change our beliefs if they're not serving us and hindering us from self-realization? Well, it's worth reviewing. It's worth reviewing the familiar ones. So most people have a, a tendency which um, is the predominant one. So for some people, it could be fear. For others, it could be anger. Um, for others, it could be low self-worth, um, you know, or it could be the idea that nothing works out for me, that kind of thing. And um, there's a teacher called Lester Levinson, and he said, when you, when you look to see how effectively you've created things like, you know, pain, suffering, limitation it's actually quite easy to turn it around because it's only when we're holding those things in awareness because everyone really remains as the infinite being. It's just that we, we shine the light of our infinite potential through various forms of limitation. And then the experience we have is a really crystal clear um, reflection of what those beliefs are. But it's happening in a, it happens in a, a kind of unconscious way, because if you take the media, for instance, the way the media works is, you know, everybody turns the TV on to watch, well, fortunately, fewer people are turning the TV on to watch the news. But um, those that do, they don't realise that they're actually maintaining a particular frequency in collective consciousness, because the TV, you know, it's like a fear and doubt and limitation machine and it's churning it out. It's like a big sausage machine, but it's just churning out fear and limitation for everyone. But people don't realize they're the infinite being. They're shining the light of their infinite potential on all this limitation. And the reason that it continues is because all of those people are investing in all of that content without realizing So it's actually, the solution is very simple, actually, Louisa, because everyone in this moment is remaining as the pristine, infinite, timeless being. That's all we can ever be. The only option is whether we step into limitation. So we're remaining as the infinite being, and then there could be an invitation into limitation. So the phone might ring and there could be a phone call or there could be a text message or there could be a thought that comes into the mind or there could be a, you know, something someone says. It can come from anywhere, really. But it's, it's only a question of whether we consent to that limitation or whether we just remain in our true nature. And um, so... Understanding that we're living in what is like an energy game. It's like an energy harvesting system that we live in in reality. And very much like the film The Matrix. So we, when we, when we realize that that's the way, that's the game we're playing, then we can change the, the nature of the experience. So any any emotion, any low frequency emotion we entertain is really um, only fueled by, by our own um, by our own energy field. So if there is, so there's an, so say there's an invitation. Um, so say we get some news of, well, that isn't particularly favorable. There's a kind of consensus version of the way we deal with that. So it would be, you know, if it's death, then we're going to be in grief. If it's, you know, some other news, we could be shocked. If it's something else, um, we could be really happy. But but the interpretation is in, entirely down to us. So we can, for instance, it, in the human realm, we know there's always change. So if you decide beforehand that we can remain 
at peace, then even if there is some news which comes along, we don't need to step into the drama and the grief. You know, we can just remain at peace. And um, because it's it's really important to understand that it's only ever our own energy which fuels the experiences we're having. So if we go into deep grief or anger or depression or any of those, it's only ever our own energy which fuels them. So there's no benefit in doing that. It's just that everything in this world is inviting us to identify with those things because it's an energy gain. And the, it's it's a kind of self-contained um, energy gain because the the dualistic realm, which encompasses the the mental, the emotional, and the physical. Um, so you could say the physical realm is the physical, the emotional realm is the etheric, the mental realm is the astral, and the causal realm is the body of wisdom. But the dualistic realms are the physical, etheric, and um astral and so with um even with the reincarnation cycle so lots of people say well with liberation you're free of the reincarnation cycle and the reason for that is that the dualistic realm is self-contained so the the whole purpose of it really is to get you back on planet earth as a battery to be fueling the matrix so people have you know they have the human experience and and then the physical body dies and they find themselves in either the etheric or the astral realm and then you know you meet your spirit guides and they say well you did quite well but you know you could have done a little bit better you'd better go back and learn a few more lessons but the whole purpose is get you is to get you back to planet earth um to be you know, to be back in the energy game. But once you understand the way it works, then you don't you, you don't accept those invitations back into limitation because you realize firstly that if you remain functioning from um, the body of wisdom, you're not ste stepping into the mental or emotional or, or physical turmoil. Mm. So there's much more consciousness available than people realize and there's an element of tacit consent really which is where people are consenting to things where, where when they don't even realize they're consenting because identification is a is a form of consent for instance so in terms of the in terms of the the human experience for instance most people without even realizing have consented to identification with the mind so with the thinking process they've consented to identification with the emotions and they've consented to identification with the physical body but actually none of those are true because we remain simply as this open field of awareness and there is awareness of thoughts so we're not the thoughts and there is awareness of emotions so we're not the emotions and there's awareness of the body and there's a there's a teacher called douglas harding uh, and I, I like douglas harding's approach because he he says that if you if you look at what's happening we're kind of looking through the body mind we we never become it you know so we're looking through the eyes there's hearing which is available to us um you can look down and you can see the legs and the arms and so there's awareness of the body but it's only because everyone has said oh you are the physical body but really it's more like a vehicle it's just available to us you know we can use it or we can just park it up oh you're so inspiring <laughs> so <laughs> what does it you achieve self-realization what what's your life look like well i guess for everyone there are two aspects in which is that there's the personal realm of experience so the personal realm of experience is still fully functioning you know i have my family and friends and you know my 
you know, people I know in my locality, that kind of thing. Um, but really what happened for me is it became a very aware following realization, but aligning what with one's infinite nature is the way to go because um when there was realization which realization is it's very simple it's just that it's just that we we all we're all conditioned into identifying with the with the character so we were identifying with the idea you know there's the idea oh i am david bingham you know these thoughts and emotions belong to him you know i'm looking for something in my life and so it's that whole kind of seeking game. So it can be seeking in a spiritual sense or in a materialistic or worldly sense as well. Most people are seeking in a worldly sense. But what became apparent with realization is it's almost embarrassing in a way because it's a case of mistaken identity. Because when you when you see that you've actually remained as this infinite field of awareness within which all forms are appearing including the body mind and the thoughts and the emotions then then it's uh it it's quite embarrassing to believe that you ever were were taken in by the idea that you were existing as this separate being in time and space because all that's ever been there for everyone really is this open field of awareness within which everything's appearing and um so once it's seen, once you once you realize that you're this infinite field of awareness rather than the human being, you know, there's there's the the knowing of your true nature, which is your the awareness within which everything is appearing. Um, and then there is also the focal point of experience, the focal point of human experience. And um the the change that takes place is well, the way it happened for me is initially the mind wanted to share this with other people. So it it wanted to tell people how to achieve self-realization. So in the early days, well, th- the way it happened for me um, was while listening to a, a recording of a conversation with an American teacher called John Wheeler. He was having a conversation. And the, this interview is posted on my YouTube channel. Um, and um, And so... I thought the best way to help everyone with self-realization was to record copies of this conversation and then send them out to everyone that I knew who I thought might be interested. But nothing came of that because the mind doesn't know. So I was saying the mind's like a candle and infinite intelligence is like the sun. So the mind was saying, oh, what you need to do is send these CDs out to the people you know. So I, I did that initially. I sent maybe 50 CDs to people that I thought, you know, people that I knew from the meditation community I'd lived in, that kind of thing. Um, but there was no response at all. In fact, when I saw a couple of the people later, they said, well, what did you send me that for? You know, that was much good. So it became really apparent that the mind doesn't know what to do. But then what happened? So there was a complete letting go. Um which you could call surrender, but in a way, it's just kind of giving up. It's just saying, well, that you know, that was a waste of time, so I'm not going to waste any more time doing that. What then happened when I sort of let go of the idea that I knew what to do, there were certain people who just started to kind of show up, and they were exactly the people who were ready to hear what self-realization was. And then... Um, there was an invitation to appear on uh, on a, a channel called Conscious TV in 2008. And even though David Bingham is in, an introvert, you know, the character David Bingham is, is an introvert, so he, w- he wasn't really interested in doing that because, you know, putting yourself out there isn't really what David Bingham would have wanted to do. But because I knew by then that effortless being was at the helm really i knew that it was something that i needed to just let go and do so i you know i turned up for this interview and then there were you know one or two others and um so from there there were just um 
you know, people started contacting me and say, you know, because it's people, because self-realization is something, there's a point at which it registers for people. There's, there's a question where they, it's like the inspiration to find their true nature. And once that starts, it doesn't end until there is realization. So it's, you know, it can be quite intense for people, but there's a kind of recognition. And um, so that's really how it's been since then. So, so it's just been from effortless being. So there's, I don't do, I never initiate anything. I don't initiate any calls. I don't initiate any meetings. I only respond to people where there's some interest. So, you know, P, I've spoken with, you know, thousands of people over the years since 2008 and lots of people have realized their true nature. Um, in 2016, um, I was contacted by Rhonda Byrne, who wrote the book The Secret. And Rhonda realized her true nature and then went on to write a book called The Greatest Secret, which was released about three years ago. And um, so that's resulted in, you know, a lot more people realizing their true nature. But it's it's that distinction between the one is there's the personal realm of experience, which is where you meet up with your friends, you go and have a coffee, you do whatever you do, you go and spend time with family. And then with realization, there's kind of making oneself available um, to be in service to one's infinite nature. And it isn't anything that I sought to do. You know, I, I trained as an artist and I was a portrait painter. But it's just that this, you know, this whole thing, it's like being called up for duty in a way. And and by just um, letting go of any personal limitations and any beliefs, which, you know, the mind's trying to say, oh, well, you could never do that. It's just being available because the infinite being knows what you're capable you know, what your true capabilities are, whereas the mind always tries to put you down. You know, the mind says, oh, no, you're, you know, what? how could you ever be any good at that? And um, so that's the difference, really, between, you know, functioning, continuing to function in the personal realm of experience, but then relinquishing authorship and the idea that the mind knows what to do. And, and and by having this sense of openness, then everything just comes from effortless being. So, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to speak to, but it's just that infinite intelligence organizes everything behind the scenes. So exactly the people that are ready for realization show up. And for other people where they're not quite ready, then it doesn't even register. They just say, what on earth are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. And what incredible work you're doing. I know even some people just listening to it, to your interviews have achieved self-realization. Mm. Yeah, is it's remarkable. quite interesting the way things have happened because for years it was having conversations with people, one-to-one -one conversations. Because I was invited in the early days to do one or two meetings, but the problem with the meeting is you have maybe, you know, 30, 40 people and they're all asking questions, but they're all coming from the mind and the mind. So the mind doesn't have a clue, really. So all you do is you're just batting back answers which have no relevance or meaning. Whereas in a one to one conversation, if you have a conversation with people, you can detect where the limitations are. So um, it's mainly around. Well, there are two main areas. Well, actually, the three main areas. The one is the one is the way language is keeping people locked in identification with individuality. So they're saying, oh, I'm having a dreadful time. I'm having this. They don't realize that the personalization of the language is locking them into the character, whereas just pointing to the simple distinction where there's the availability of functioning from impersonal awareness, there is awareness of thought inviting me into emotional turbulence um and once you see that you can see that you can actually decline that invitation um there are you know the the other things are the the most common one is the distinction between our infinite nature which is attributeless and spiritual experience 
So it tends to be that people who are seeking, they're actually initially seeking spiritual experience. Oh, I had this amazing experience. But you have to go beyond that. Anyone who thinks that realization has any experiential component is still on the, you know, on the track. Um, so, so they tend to be the, you know, the main ones, you know, sometimes there's a lack of self-worth. So it's the belief that, that, you know, that we're not worthy of realization, but it's to do with, it's to do with whether we adopt the thoughts or not that, that are being projected into the mind as invitations, because say there's a, say that there's a thought being projected into the mind well how could you ever achieve self-realization you know you're just you're useless <laughs> um people don't realize that the the adoption of the thoughts and the emotions which are being projected into the body mind as invitations for most people they're immediately adopted and then they start functioning as though those thoughts and emotions are true because they don't realize that they're being projected in. They think that they're their own. So if you take, you know, if you take someone, um, say there's a thought which goes in, which says um, you're not deserving of love, then that, that thought's being projected into the mind because nobody's told them that that isn't their own thought. Then they embody that or they adopt it immediately and they think or say, well, I'm not deserving of love, but they're just parroting what's being projected in. It wasn't theirs in the first place. So interesting. I've just got one more question for you. I won't keep you much longer. <laughs> you, you said the thoughts are being projected in. From where? From whom? From what? <laughs> right. Well, it's um, it's worth knowing that there are two there are two sources of intelligence which are available to humans. So you could say that the, um, the, the, the source which is coming through the body of wisdom is God or um, infinite intelligence. Um, and everything coming through the body of wisdom is a combination of infinite intelligence with infinite love and infinite compassion the the dualistic realm which is the mental emotional and physical realm is a self-contained system which is it's like a you know it's like a virtual reality it's in india they call it maya um it's like an illusion or a simulation um so the the intelligence the intelligence operating in that system is an independent form of intelligence so it's almost like a supercomputer so it's um in gnosticism they call it the demiurge so the word demi means half and the word word urge means creator so it's it's um it's a it's a sort of half intelligence because it's it's infinitely intelligent but it's lacking love and compassion and if you look at the world we live in that's the world we live in you know, if you look at all the systems that are operating here, that's how they function. Um, in in Hinduism, they call it Kali Yuga. So they say that it's an inversion. So the they have this idea of the Yugas, which are these various ages. So there's the Golden Age, the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, and the Iron Age. And the current age is called Kali Yuga, which is the which is the Iron Age. Um, and um, so Satyuga is infinite love combined with infinite intelligence. Uh, and the component that dissolves from the Golden Age down to the Iron Age is the component of love and compassion. So the, the current age is, in, in the, way, the way the creation is, is... Um, it's actually become predatory. So it's not um, in alignment with the infinite being. You explained that very simply and well. Thank you so much. <laughs> David, I've loved having you on the show. Where, where's the best place for people to connect with you? Um, probably my YouTube channel, because um, 
as I was saying about it, um, the way infinite being works is infinite being, when we relinquish um, authorship on an individual level, then our infinite nature can step in and take care of things for us. So, we, you know, on the human level, we just have a lot of fun. But, you know, we have a little job, which is that we're in service to our infinite nature. And those structures tend, they, they evolve on their own. So, um, as I say, initially, there was the opportunity to speak one-to-one. -one. So I've helped, you know, thousands of people realize their true nature in one-to-one -one conversations. The way it's evolved in the past year or so is um, there are some recordings of the conversations I've had, which I've, I think there are four of them posted on my um, YouTube channel at the moment, where people realize their true nature during the conversation. So I'm going through the process of how to realize your true nature with these people, and they're posted on my YouTube channel. Um, and then there are also lots of conversations with people who've realized their true nature, but the um, so it's a conversation after the event, really. Oh, fascinating. Well, I recommend people to go and have a look at your YouTube channel. And what's, what is the name? It's just called David Bingham Channel. Okay, great. Well, David, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the Passion Harvest audience that I haven't asked you? Well, really just to follow one's own intuition because um, in terms of realisation, it tends to come when people are ready. So it's following a sense of inspiration. So if anyone has listened to our conversation and they feel that it isn't quite for them, then that's absolutely fine. You know, don't strain. Um, if it gives a feeling of lightness and infinite possibilities and the feeling that, um, you know, things can develop, then it's definitely worth having a look. But for everyone, just to follow their own inner knowing is the key, really, because that will, um, you know, that will take them to realisation. The thing with realisation, if there is a really strong desire for realisation and a determination, then infinite intelligence will organise things for that to happen. And um, But the, the, the most important thing to know is that everyone is already the infinite being. It's just that we've consented to these filters, which are called the koshas, um, which have given rise to identification with individuality, with the mind, the emotions, the physical realm. And so, you know, most people have identified with those realms, thinking them to be true, when really they're just like funfair rides. But once you see that your true infinite nature is ever present, it's seen that it isn't a destination, it's what is already true. So it isn't that there's anything new to be found, it's just that the case of mistaken identity, which is believing ourselves to be a human being in time and space, is a bit like giving being given a job at a theatre, you know, where you have a job to play this character in a play, and you're so enamoured with it that you totally identify with the character and you forget to go home. <laughs> what a great way to end the show, David Bingham. Thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. Very nice. I wish you could have spoken a little bit, a little bit more. But <laughs> you sounded perfect. You were great. <laughs> Thank you so much. Please do subscribe for weekly passionate, inspirational interviews.